Hey there, it's Charlie here from Asset Blocks. Oh, wait a second. Actually, it's Full Stack Business Owner. Yes, we've recently gone through a massive rebrand and pivoted our name to Full Stack Business Owner. However, we actually made some episodes of the podcast before the rebrand that we just felt were too good not to release. There was some really helpful and useful content that we think is going to help you win and become a full stack business owner. So we're still going to release this podcast. However, you will probably, actually, I know you will hear us reference asset blocks throughout it. So please note, you will hear us say asset blocks, but the show is full stack business owner. And that is what it will be called from now on. Anyway, I hope you enjoy these episodes and I'll see you on the next episode of full stack business owner. Welcome to Asset Blocks Business Owner Edition because wealth creation is different for Australian business owners. Today, we are talking about the lies about inflation and how it impacts your wealth. But before we get started, let's cue the disclaimer. Charlie here from Full Stack Business Owner. I need to let you know that Grant, myself, and the Full Stack Business Owner team are in no way, shape, or form qualified to give you financial advice or pick investment products. We highly encourage you seek out and engage the use of professionals when making financial decisions or comparing investment products. Now, this episode is important because just like in our lives, we feel the impact of misinformation. For example, once upon a time, the government told us to eat the majority of our diet as carbohydrate. Now, over time, that has changed, but what it didn't do was factor in everybody's personal circumstances and situations. And that is the exact same for wealth in relation to inflation. So if you're an Australian business owner who has heard about inflation but doesn't know exactly how that impacts you or how to interpret it, then this episode is exactly for you. Now, as always, we make sure that we provide it Charlie and my templates, calculators, and checklists over at assetblocks.com.au. So feel free to go there, click free resources and download whatever you need. And if you do enjoy the show, be sure to hit subscribe, share it with someone else who might be in the same situation, would see value in it. And without further ado, let's get into the episode. Ah, Charlie, inflation, the concept that we all just sit there and nod and just go, oh yeah, news, I get what you're talking about. But can you give us a good benchmark, a good standing? Like what is inflation from a generalistic, simple explanation? Yeah, I want to bring this into one sentence. It's the cost of your living going up. That's how I would love business owners to think about inflation. I've got a couple of examples. I got a notification the other day that my Netflix subscription is going from $20 to $22. What? Outrageous. I didn't now, get do that. I get any more services for that or is the subscription the same? It's the same. same. Now, if I uh, you know, go back in time to the year 2000 and I was putting petrol in my car, it would have been about a dollar, I reckon, at this time, maybe $1.20. Uh, if I went to the petrol pump today, I know it's going to be substantially more, right? Has petrol changed? No, it's the same thing. It's just that over time, the cost of the same good has gone up. And I'm sure for anyone listening to this podcast, if you think about uh, when you were a kid maybe and how much things used to cost, maybe milk, maybe bread, maybe food, and then you come to today, what you'll notice is that the cost of living and general goods has gone up over time. Now, I want to be really clear. It's not a different item or a new item. It's not something that's been improved that then costs more. It's the same thing. So the same item, the cost of that same thing going up over time. 
And, and there's a whole heap of different factors as to why that increases, but that's not the whole point of this episode, right? The, the key summary is just understanding that over a period of time, the prices go up and maybe in the future we can talk about why it does, but that's just not important for this. But Charlie, I'm, I'm going to let you continue on this narrative, right? Because it's one thing to go, okay, I get inflation and I understand that my petrol and my Netflix subscriptions is going to go up. But why is that so important for us? Australian business owners who are looking to build our wealth. Yeah. So what I think is commonly done is that most business owners don't think about inflation or even really have any awareness to its existence, Mm. where it is this force like a headwind. So I want you to realize that as you're building wealth and making money, inflation is a force actually working against you that you need to make sure you prepare for. Like you need to put things in place to deal with it. So just like if you had a car and you knew you were going to be driving up the snow, you'd probably put snow tires in or have chains in your car. When it comes to wealth creation, you need to make sure you have some things in your toolbox to be able to work against this headwind that's being created around here. So that's that's like why it's important and the awareness to it. It's just like if you suddenly became aware that you know smoking was bad for you, you'd probably want to stop doing that. So if yep. you today is this the first time you're hearing about inflation, you might you might be lighting up inflation cigarettes. You might be there and going, oh wow, I got to change something. But to go one layer deeper than that, and this is where I think misinformation is just run rampant, is that what is not discussed and not known, and something that was a huge impact moment for me was realizing that inflation isn't generalized. It's not something that applies the same to everyone. So commonly, and I'm sure you'll dig deeper into this in the episode, is that we'll hear things from our uh, from the RBA, which is the Reserve Bank of Australia, and they'll say things like, you know, inflation's running at 3%. But what isn't necessarily factored in is that if you are someone that um, has two cars and drives a lot, right, versus someone who has one car and the cost of petrol is going up substantially, well, that, you know, your inflation is different. So I- inflation and key message here is that inflation is actually personalized. You, uh, Grant, myself, or anyone else are all going to have very, very different inflationary numbers. And that's what you need to bring awareness to, is your personal inflation. Yeah. And to go back to that, and I almost throw the two personal, I throw the two words out there, which is like, okay, inflation, and you might have heard of CPI or whatever they're talking about in the news. It's like, who cares? Three to 4% is small enough where you might go, ah, it's not going to impact me as long as I'm aware that it's there. But the key thing is like, well, who cares? Great. As I'm saving $100,000 in my bank account today, I know in 12 months, it's going to be worth around 3 to 4% less. Can I just right. use an example here? Would you really care, right? It's like, imagine like, do you care how much every business owner makes every month? Like, it's like, oh, cool. On average, every business owner is making 3 or 4%. Or do you care like, hang on, what's my business making? And, that, <laughs> and, that's, and that's, I think that's where, and I, I've always had this challenge where you get these blanket statements and we try and interpret these concepts based on someone talking about everybody, like you've got 27, 28 million people in Australia and they're trying to say statements in order for them to understand the impact to all of them. When in reality, it's like, well, okay, I get the, the layman's concept, but what does it really mean to me? And that, that is the, essentially the summary of why you and I, Charlie, say that this is the lie, right? This the three to four percent is small enough where you might sit there and go, "Great, my hundred thousand dollars might be worth slightly less." I now understand that it's going to erode over time. The best time for me to invest it was yesterday. The second best time is today, 
the, this is just around and it's not going away. I think that's the second part is that inflation is here and it's, it's staying here. So to pick up your point around what you need to understand is inflation is real, but the second part is that how does it actually impact you personally, right? And so I'm going to talk about this in a little bit of detail. And Charlie, I'm going to get te- technical because you know me. I do love some reading. So to pick on your RBA thread, so the Reserve Bank of Australia thread. So I started doing some research on inflation for this topic. And so I went to the RBA page and I knew it existed because I've been there before. And I'm actually just going to read two sentences, which I'm not joking, the last paragraph on the entire page, right? And it says the CPI, which is inflation, is often used to measure changes in the cost of living but it is not an ideal indicator of this. Remember, this is RBA's website, right? Then it continues on. While the CPI, which is inflation, measures price changes, cost of living inflation is the change in spending by households required to maintain a given standard of living. So the Reserve Bank of Australia are actually telling you that the inflation rate is not an indicator in the change of the cost of your living. I just found that so fascinating, which was they, we use this point of, oh my gosh, three to 4%. And everyone's like, well, how does that impact me? And it's like, well, that is not actually the indication of how it impacts your life. Because in the exact same page, the second point I do want to say is that it then starts to talk about things that inflation excludes. So it excludes petrol, it excludes fruit, it excludes vegetables, and any other volatile commodities or things that we use or the things yeah, that we I'm purchase. just curious, Grad, do you use petrol, eat fruit you, at you all, eat, or eat vegetables? This, and so the, this is the thing, right? Like how do you take a blanket 3 to 4% and when you understand the lower level, which is the, the people who communicate this, the RBA then say you cannot use this as an indicator for your cost of living, but then they also exclude a significant portion of our expenses. By the way, buying a house is also excluded right? Because it's not consumption. It's a large asset, right? So it excludes all of these things. And then you sit there and try and calculate your, your living based off that. It just, just doesn't work. It, so the final point that I'm just going to make on this and before I get off my high horse, Charlie, is- I like, I like you on your high horse, Grant. This is good. I can the, see you're passionate about this. <laughs> so we've got the RBA saying it's not the cost of living. We got the RBA saying that they exclude things that I would argue that every single person listening to this uses. And it fluctuates to your point. Petrol's probably gone up like 20% for me in like the last couple of years, which I'll get to in a second. But the third part is it doesn't factor in our personal situation. Charlie, you might have two cars, I might have none. You might be a vegetarian and I might be a meat eater. You might have a family of five, I might just be myself. You might have paid off your house, I might be renting. You might eat out, I might eat at home, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So how does that actually impact this 3 to 4% generalist inflation concept? Because we're, we're not all equal, right? We don't all live in the same spot. We don't all have the exact same lives. So how, did, how does that apply? Like that was when I realized those three pillars, there was just this <laughs> in my mind of, yeah, okay, this is important. Do you know where I think uh, business owners will notice it the most? There's two, there's two areas I notice inflation the most in business, or actually I should say just in general in life, and I think uh, to drive the point home here. Uh, firstly is I don't know a business owner who uh, is about our age, maybe some older ones this won't apply to, 
that doesn't have a house they're working towards or want to buy, uh, you know, a certain, in a certain area. And I think, I um, mean, I am an avid follower of the property market, but I go back a few years and look at some of the areas I wanted to buy. And I say, you know, this house, maybe it used to be a million dollars. And then a few years later, it's 1.2. Yep. And I'm watching the same house creep up in costs. And then I'm starting to really feel that pinch of going, oh, well, you know, I thought I was going to be able to afford that. And I'm feeling like maybe I'm, I'm getting priced out of that area. Like the house is the same and barring out renovations or anything like that should be relatively the same. But this is another one where uh, inflation is really rampant. In business, do you know where I have felt inflation the most? Staffing costs. Oh, yeah. No, that's a valid point. I've yep. noticed that if you, if you think to when we first got online, Grant, many, many moons ago, I used to think about like the costs of virtual assistants or the cost of certain services, um, and it's like gone up astronomically online. Yep. So, And I'm not saying that there hasn't been skill increases or justifications in that, but it's just I really noticed the difference in how that's played a role here as well. So I think what I would like to discuss next and bring into this conversation is where should someone start with their own inflation? So I'll tell you how I went about mine, and then I'd love to get some chiming points. Let's do the it. best way to look at your own inflation is to actually evaluate your own lifestyle at first. I think you really need to look at what you're doing in your own life and the factors that could come into it. So Grant's already mentioned some really good ones there, but for the listeners of this episode, first thing is uh, I would say if you're renting versus you own your home is going to be a huge one. If you have one car or two cars or three cars, um, or you do a lot of driving, I think is another one that's going to be a huge one. The way you eat is going to be a huge one. If you're someone who um, routinely searches for organic foods or premium foods, you may have noticed the price that's gone up. And I, I almost feel like someone should spend the time to evaluate their lifestyle and just really look at how much those prices have gone up over time. And it may take a little bit of effort. You may need to review like your credit card statement from a year ago from Coles or Woolies versus today or something like that. But I think that's a really good starting point for someone to break down and understand their own personal inflation point. Yeah, I, I completely concur. And when I realized what was not included in inflation and then started looking at like my personal budget, I just said, you know what? My personal inflation is everything that I spend money on and my life will forever change. So I ignored all of the, <laughs> the oh, it excludes this, it doesn't factor in that or if it's in this situation. It's, I just said, you know what, everything I spend money on, that is included in my personal inflation. Can we go through it? Let's like I know you've been measuring this pretty uh, pedantically. What are the things in your life where you really notice the inflation? Then we yeah. can do the reverse for me if you like. Awesome. So th this is this is so I, I I'm a bit of a tracker. So what I'm going to be talking about now is is very specific. So the overarching point that I'll mention to this is that everyone needs to realize that you can't just take a point in time and apply that forever. So my personal living situations have changed. Why some of these are going to be quite wildly different, right? So 12 months ago, I'm going to talk about first my rent. So I don't own my personal place of residency. Yes, I've got some investment properties, but I, I rent and I do that because I want to live where I want to live. So rent 12 months ago compared to now has gone up 33%. Now that is because I have moved into coastal towns. I have got bigger places, but also the way that the property market in Australia has moved recently, 
the prices have just gotten expensive. Like if you were to buy a house, you would have felt the exact same increase that I've just felt in the locations that I am in. So personally, my costs have increased outside of just choices that I've made because the prices have increased due to inflation, et cetera. And so 12 months ago, it is a 33% increase compared to what I had just wow. in rent. Isn't that wild? And I will, will I'll lay my opposite into that for understanding. Like I own my home, so I don't have any cost of living in the same way, but I've got 0% inflation in that area. So yep. You've got potentially, I won't say all 33% is there, but maybe 20% inflation on your rent has gone up versus exactly. because I purchased it. Now, even if someone had a mortgage though, their mortgage payment wouldn't have gone up 20%. Exactly. Yeah, it's such, such so, a powerful one. Like renting, I think, uh, like the concept of rent vesting, I love. I think it's a really cool concept. But if your rent is going up substantially, it starts to erode some of those potential gains, right? This is inflation working against you. That's that headwind. And that, that's exactly right. And so what Charlie's referring to there is so the rents change every year or whenever your lease changes. So each year I go and sign a new lease, it can increase or where I'd move, et cetera. But when you get debt... So if you buy a million dollar house for a million dollars of debt, the repayment you pay on that debt is it basically stays the same outside of some fluctuating interest rates, right? Like so the debt is always the same. The debt doesn't increase because of inflation. Your million, just because you owe the bank a million dollars each year, they don't add three to four percent on it. It stays the same. Right? And that's what Charlie's referring to. And then obviously if you're in Charlie's situation where you've paid off your house, you got nothing. Like it's the, you don't you don't feel the pressure of inflation that sort of Hazel and I have felt in this. So I'm going to, I'm going to go to the next example in this one, groceries. Right? Go there. So remember, Reserve Bank of Australia excludes vegetable. Now, uh, I'm very fortunate that my wife is, wife is extremely healthy and she makes sure that we eat a lot, a lot of fruit and vegetable. We now eat mostly organic food. Uh, so we shop at like farmer's markets and all those kind of things. And I went back and looked at the comparison and buying this in where I am now. So some things have gone down, right? Sure, if you like get really calculated, like our avocados and bananas because we're in north, up north in Australia, it's cheaper. But majority of what we buy has actually increased. Why? Because the people that we're buying it from in these farmers markets, the cost for them to produce the food has gone up, right? So they've felt inflation. So now we've felt inflation. Now, the changes to us, because again, we have moved, we have felt an increase in the food that we, have, we buy on a monthly basis of a 25% increase compared to two years ago. Wow, that's actually, that is, I didn't think it was going to be that high. Yeah. I wonder if um, that's a more common one, because I'll, I'll go the opposite here and I'll come in on this point. I've actually had the opposite with uh, food inflation. So I, once upon a time, I must admit, food is a kryptonite of mine, like I, I do like to spend in this area and enjoy food. Um, for us, because we've been in Melbourne for the last couple of years, we haven't been able to go out for food as much. So I've actually like had a deflationary environment where we haven't been able to spend money in restaurants because they're not open. And then the other side of things is where I used to uh, shop a lot in the way I used to eat, because I actually used to actually go to a very um, prestigious butcher. I loved this butcher and the uh, produce they had. It wasn't cheap, but I used to enjoy it a lot. And you've been to my house and had some Did of the proceeds that. of it. It's pretty damn good. Pretty good. Pretty but good. one of the things that changed with uh, having a son, though, and having Jack is that 
we were struggling to find the time to cook and we actually use a meal delivery service instead. Now, the meal delivery service is cheaper than what I used to uh, spend on produce with my butcher and my uh, uh, fruit shop and all the rest of it. So it's actually changed in a huge way where my food costs have gone dramatically down. So I've had a deflation in my food expenditure. I just find this so interesting to really drum onto these points because even at these first two, like Grant, you're, you're near a 20% inflation rate here over a few years, where for myself is I'm, I'm at, well, I'm negative so far. Correct. You're saving money and I'm spending a lot more, right? And the reason I've gone, and, and I've got one more example that I'm going to dive into, the reason I've gone to these examples is because they're such big polar opposites for every single person listening to this. Like you're probably listening to this and going, wow, I'm in a completely different scenario. Great. Awesome. Just factor that in, right? And you might go, I'm going to have a family. So, Hazel and I will start having a family, like whatever that comes up. We're now going to factor that in, right? Because that increases our costs, which means now because I've got a, a larger cost base, I feel the pressure of inflation more, right? Well, maybe that's the counter here. So to be fair, though, let's just uh, round these ones out. So like I have property maintenance costs that you don't have, right? Exactly. So I pay rates and I've got to fix things around here when they break where you would rely on your landlord. So that's one factor. Two is, yes, my food costs have gone down, but there's an extra mouth. Like <laughs> exactly. I actually have three people to feed instead of two. Um, and again, I won't go into the, I'm sure there's many points nuanced within these, but uh, it's, the, it's so different is the thing I really want to emphasize here. Correct. And then one of the third ones I just want to bring up is petrol. Again, I'm just going to mention RBA excludes petrol from the inflation rate, right? Now, my petrol, to your point, Charlie, uh, when I was in Melbourne 12 months ago, I remember filling up for $1.45. I just filled up for $1.90. Wow. 12 months. Not a good time to be wanting to buy a car, is it? Or be someone who does a lot of travel. Correct. And so now you're looking at a significant increase of, I think that was about 23%. I'm going to try and do some quick maths. I'll write down 20%, right? But like, how big a difference is that? And my car still gets the same petrol, still going to go the same distance. My car hasn't changed, all those kind of things. So now I'm just feeling the pressure of inflation in regards to where I'm getting to versus someone who might not leave the house. Like, I got to drive to the gym, I've got to drive to different places. We move quite a lot. So that's a lot of driving, et cetera. So I actually feel the pressure of this inflation, just like someone who commutes to work a lot would feel that personal pressure more than someone who works from home, right? Because yeah. they, they, they have to travel. An interesting one. There's another one there. I, I work from home. I'm very fortunate. I have a separate dwelling on my property, which is the room I'm in now. So I don't have travel costs to work. So I'm not feeling that petrol one in the same, in the same way at all, which is just another example of how different these could be. Uh, can we mention? Let's mention electricity here, though, because this is another one that I've noticed more recently as well. And I'll put a story around this. I uh, was by chance watching this ABC uh, doc, like I'll call it a documentary. It wasn't really a documentary; it's like a little news uh, segment, mockumentary. Yeah. yeah, one of them. And uh, basically, it was talking about uh, going green and the cost of electricity and supporting the grid, and like they were really encouraging people to get solar. And I was like, you know what? I'm totally going to do this. It makes sense. Like over a number of years, it'll pay itself off. Like you get enough free energy. We work from home. So it's like we use the power we generate during the day. I'm using it right now. And then on the other side of things, it's you know good for the planet. And if I can do my part, I'm like, this is a, like a no-brainer. But I'll tell you what, uh, the prices of electricity have gone up substantially. And to the point of that is the amount of uh, 
like we have practically free power here when we net it out now. And I look that if power costs keep going up and you're someone who uses a lot of power, like maybe you live in the north, use a lot of AC, then um, you're going to once again be feeling the impacts of that at a personal level. So the, the difference between power for us compared to where we're living in Melbourne to, <laughs> to north to Queensland, 50% increase. Hazel wow. fell off her chair. And I will preface this, like some of the, well, I should say quite a bit is life choices, right? So we like it quite cold when we're sleeping. So we have the air conditioner on whilst we're sleeping comparative to in Melbourne where it was quite a bit cooler. But again, like as electricity prices, to your point, have increased. Well, now the way that I want to live my life succumbs to these price changes so much heavier than everything else. And one of the key points that I'm going to make on this is every single cost of every single good doesn't go up the same way. Right. Sorry, you just need, I just need to, I completely tuned out. All I heard was Melbourne is better. <laughs> is that what we were so, saying? So, and that was the episode. No. <laughs> so I, was, I will say, I did actually have to get my aircon serviced for lack of use. <laughs> it was like, oh, yeah, I haven't used this thing in a year. We need to get it like, uh, and I was like, this is hilarious. This People is, in Queensland don't understand this at all. <laughs> we don't. And this, and, but that's the interesting thing because across all of those different goods and services, it's not like they've all gone up, say, 10% in my personal situation. They're all different, right? Because they all succumb to different pressures, right? Because obviously fuel comes from a completely different location outside of Australia. Uh, obviously, the, if I'm buying local fruit and veg, that has the pressure of Australia. But if we're importing, I don't know, frozen berries from Chile, right? Then as it comes from Woolworths, then it might not succumb to so much pressure, which means that maybe the prices can be the same. And that's really one of those key points I want to hammer home, which is why it's so important for people to understand their own inflation because your life choices and what you choose to do, and I'm never going to stop anyone doing anything, you just need to be aware of the increases in the cost over year on year on year on year for you to really understand the pressure that you have sitting across the top. And it was interesting, Charlie, it was about 12 months ago, I actually did a calculation on what has been our personal inflation, and it was 14% across everything. Now, I haven't done it recently for, for this episode, and obviously you've, you've heard where my costs have significantly increased, um, but like that is how different my, I am and Hazel is compared to what you're hearing on the news, which is like a 3 to 4%. I'm 10% higher than that, right? So if I just blanket sit there listening to the news, I'm going, oh, this is fine. This is rosy. But then I'm personally, oh, wow, now I need to start thinking about this and making those kind of considerations. Yeah. I just resonate with this messaging so much because as a business owner, if you're working really hard, which we do, and I'm sure the business owners who are listening this are, if you've got this headwind force working against you, just think about how much work you've got to do. If your personal inflation rate is actually 14%, Okay. And you've got a business, you need to grow 14% every year just to keep the same amount of relative purchasing power coming out of your business. And if you don't, you're actually going backwards. And this- you just imagine this, right? So you're a business owner and your company's growing 10% a year. And you know, you're actually happy about it. You, you're high fiving, you know, great, we're growing. And you should be, you should be excited, like, congratulations. But your personal inflation rate's 14%. So every year you're actually, you know, got 4% working against you and you're sitting there fantasizing about the idea of buying a dream house, not yeah, realizing exactly. you're potentially maybe getting poorer 
every year and that to get that house is actually getting further away from you. Like it's, oh, it breaks my heart to see some people that don't necessarily have this awareness and then maybe have to compromise on the goals they have for their own life and for their family and things that are important to them. Yeah, and that that was the big hitter for myself personally when I was looking at the business because I've been involved in businesses where the success of the business is the exit, right? And now for people who might not have gone through that kind of situation in your business or like you, you appropriately sort of take the money out and put it into investments and things, like the typical way when you think about packaging up a business for sale when you start it is that you have a number in mind. Now, this business has been running for quite a long time and that number never changes, right? So, even though the rest of the world has become more expensive and so the houses I was like, oh, I'm looking forward to buying these types of houses have now like increased by 50% over the last couple of years, my exit in my mind is still the same. And so, every year that I'm like waiting for this payday to sell the business, I'm like, oh, it's, it's like what could, I can buy just decreases and decreases. Can we use an example on that? Let, let's pretend you start a company and the aim is to sell it for 10 mil. Yep. Okay, cool. And it's going to take you 10 years to do that. So the 10 mil number hasn't changed. Yep. Right. But you actually want a house in Turak or Brighton. And in year one, that house was uh, 1 mil, you yep. know, keeping it relative. 10 years later, though, infl- that house has inflated at a very, you know, if you look at the averages in Australia, I'm not sure what uh, 10 years would be in one of those suburbs, but it'll be substantial. That house might now be uh, two mil. Yep. So you can see that instead of being able to buy ten Brighton houses, you now can only buy five. Exactly. Yeah, I think that is such an impactful messaging again around like just how the money value exchange, like that purchasing power, has changed again. And you can liken it to if you had ten million dollars sitting in a bank account right now, and then you decided to buy the house in Brighton now or like 10 of the houses in Brighton now versus wait 10 years and buy five of them, <laughs> right? Like the, the same concept changes. And so when I became aware of this, it, it, I was just like, wow, is this game sort of still playing for me? And it, it all came back to that personal inflation, right? Because if I looked at the general 3 to 4%, it's such a small number where I would, and I'm not going to talk hypotheticals, I did discount it because I'm like, Cool, three percent no at all means my co- my cup it's, of coffee instead of five. It's invisible bucks. and unspoken, right? Five dollars and fifteen cents now. That's fine by me. I can deal with that. My petrol, I can deal with that. But then when I looked under the surface and actually went, wow, that's crazy. Uh, like my personal expenses are inflating significantly greater than that. Thank you very much, RBA. Thank you very much, news outlets. I was just I was amazed. And the but the final point that I will say is like. I always use this as a barometer, right? So I look at going, great, well, I I can do two things. Either I can try and out-earn it from investments or from business to the point that you were talking about before, or I can change my lifestyle, right? Like, sure, like Hazel and I, we can just move back to Melbourne. We can, I don't buy a place so that we have debt that doesn't really change. It doesn't sort of succumbs to negative inflation, which we'll talk in, in, in one second. But I can change these situations for myself. Now, you obviously can't do that with a son like Jack or sort of having a family of five that already pre-exists or anything like that. But you have the ability to adjust the way that you live once you have this awareness to it. Like we sat there 12 months ago. We said, who cares? Whatever. Let's go live our best life as a newly married couple and we're going to travel Australia. We know that these things are going to happen and we know that we're going to feel the pressure of it all and things like that. But we had that conversation and said, this is completely fine. 
where I think a lot of people don't understand the real impact to what they're actually having and the actual game that they're playing in, right? As opposed to just looking at the government saying, great, thanks, three to four percent, no worries at all, as opposed to going, wow, it was 14 percent. I think you made a good decision though. Like the point of life is not to be uh, wealthy. Like money certainly plays a role, but I think you made a great decision to go have an experience. Just like I, with Jack, did I know my cost of living was going to go up having kids? Absolutely. And I still plan on having more. Yeah. Like it's the awareness factor and choosing it is, is so huge there. And you'll never get that year back with Hazel. So it's really important one as well. I agree. And so I actually, let's go down this tangent a little bit. So inflation, so great. Personal inflation is key, understanding the difference between it. And I know what I've walked through is a change in a little bit of decisions, which obviously increase the costs, and that's not too much inflation. So, for example, I, I rented in more expensive places, great. But then there is that larger component of the inflation that sits on top of that, which is how it's changed over a period of time. How does that concept really have a role in like investments and wealth creation, right? Because it's one thing to understand and go, okay, I just need to understand my costs are going to be more expensive, et cetera. Like what, what role does that have when we're creating wealth? Yeah, that's a great question. So I think by now people should be terrified about in their personal inflation rate. <laughs> we should hope, right? They're, going, like they're sitting there, they're going through their lives. Um, they're going, damn this Netflix subscription going up $2. Uh, and I think <laughs> I hope we've drummed home the point. You can change it. You can make choices to change it and it will change. So that's a great thing. But then I think a factor in this conversation that's really important is you can actually make inflation work for you. Now, yeah, this was a big like impact moment, penny drop moment for me. And I think when people truly understand this, they realize that they can uh, run a hedge. So this is what I personally do. I found a way to counter inflation in a really, really big way. And that's through the use of debt. So debt plays a really, really interesting role here. And I want to tell a few stories and then I'll go into my own examples to make it more relevant. I I remember having a a conversation with my nan. So yes, my roughly 95-year-old grandmother today about her house because she's been in the same house since I've been alive. And she's been in that house for the majority of her life. And I, I asked her about her house. I was like, I was there one day many years ago and I go, do you mind if I ask, like, how much did you pay for this house? And she would be in what I would call like one of the rings of Melbourne. She's not far. She'd be like at maximum 15 Ks from the city. Okay. So she's in a, a nice spot and she goes, oh, I paid $9,000 for this house. And um, I said, did you I go $9,000? And I'm thinking like, I could buy it. Like I could buy that in one month now. <laughs> it's like, it's like, oh, it's nothing. Like it's, yep. Yeah. So um, that's inflation at work. The point I make though is like I asked her this really interesting follow-up question where I said, did you feel it was expensive at the time? Like how did you actually feel about paying $9,000 for a house? And she goes, I was outraged. I go, what do you mean you're outraged? It's $9,000. She goes, at the time, that was a lot of money. She goes, this was like we were stretching to make this work. And I was like, well, isn't that fascinating? Like to think about that in the context of the time horizon here. And I go, well, you know, Nat, and her house is probably worth more than $2 million today to be transparent. I don't know the exacts, but it would be above two if I had to guess. Um, And I I look at that and I go, that was $9,000 and it's now $2 million. Like that has actually done an excellent job at preserving her wealth. Correct. Like she's actually done really well. That's tax-free because it's her principal place of residence as well. 
So she's not going to be taxed on that gain, but it's been a really, really interesting factor. So, and I'm sure many people listening to this will know, you know, their parents bought a house 20 years ago or even 10 years ago. But what I don't think people necessarily realize is the reason that this works so well in concept against inflation is not because of the asset. It's not the house. It's its ability to buy something in today's money and pay for it over a duration of time with the use of a loan or debt that is there. So when you're into investing, one of the tools that's available to us is leverage. And yep. You can do it in property, you can do it in shares, you can do it in crypto. Now, I will say like uh, the differences in those debts, I'm not going to go into, but like there's a lot of nuances. And if you are going to play with any form of leverage, you need to get very educated and get pe- professionals to help you understand the differences because you can make big mistakes here and lose it all. Yeah, I do caution people to playing with leverage. There's a in my opinion, a healthy amount. And then there's like madness that is set to wreck you. And that's like an area to be avoided. You're better off having no debt than too much debt. Right? You really, really are. So a bit of debt in your investing portfolio is the hedge against this headwind because that dollar or the money you've got in debt is being inflated away. Inflation doesn't just you know come onto all things. It comes into uh, sorry, inflation doesn't just come into your personal life in like food and petrol. It actually applies to the same thing. Now, um, I'll give you another example here. The house I'm in now, if I had a mortgage on it. Uh, so when I first bought the house, the payment was like 500 bucks a week. Yep. Which again, I was like outraged. Outrageous. <laughs> but I look to that today. Um, and I go $500 a week, like that's nothing in the concept of what people would pay for a mortgage today. Correct. So that's a counter-inflationary point. So the use of debt in that faction, and I'm only using real estate as the example, can be a huge, huge factor for actually negating inflation in a really, really huge way. Yeah, and I'm going to sort of piggyback off your story of, of Nan, which I think is the greatest example uh, on two points. Just to add- just, just one sec- second, just to keep in mind when I was having this conversation with my nan, she would have been in her 80s. I have never seen her so passionate about how <laughs> out- outraged she was ever. Let me tell you about, about- my power bill as well. well. So expensive. <laughs> right, right, right. I was like, actually, like I think Lita Ruff gave her a, bit, a few more years. There's some passion in her. <laughs> <laughs> just to stick it to the man to watch it keep going up. Anyway, continue on there. So the, the, the very first point. Right, where we sit there and we like we go, wow, like nine thousand dollars to two million dollars. Now I guarantee you that just to articulate this point to everybody, the house down the street from your nan would have been about the same. Would have been about nine thousand dollars, and now it'd be worth uh, above two million dollars, right? And some potentially something in a different suburb would have been maybe eight thousand dollars, and now it's maybe worth one point eight million dollars, right? And the reason I talk about this is that it's not to your point, it's not the asset, right? Because now everything around it has increased as well. It's like same as petrol, the same as all of these other things, everything around it also increasing, feeling the same pressure, right? And that's, that's really this really important point because you go, oh, well, she got lucky, she bought the right place, right time and all this kind of, well, kind of, but think about it from a bit bigger of a view, which is not just her, it's everybody else in that situation. But then the second point that I just want to sort of factor home here is imagine that she had a mortgage on that $9,000. So imagine, well, I'm going to say, Charlie, imagine you bought it a couple of decades ago and you went and got a $9,000 debt. 
right? Because again, your debt doesn't change, right? So you got $9,000, bought the house and sure, like pay your interest rate as you go. That's completely fine. Do you think that today you could pay that house off very quickly in comparison to if you were someone else who was to go and buy next door for $2 million and have $2 million debt on it, right? And that's that power of that debt leverage that you've been talking about. Hugely so, but here's the factor that I think is more important. Let's say let's say that occurred. I bought the house next to my nan for $2 million today and she's in the house she's in, she bought for $9,000. And we fast forward 50 years. What's happened to the $2 million that I thought was outrageous, like she felt was outrageous uh, 50 years later? Exactly. It's now $50 million or whatever it is, which – it's interesting because us talking about that, people listening go, ah, there's no house that's going to go from $2 million to $50 million in a couple of decades' time. So Charlie's example, and Charlie's just above 30, so in three decades, a house has gone from $9,000, which they thought was a lot, right? Like this is when they had like nickel and dime kind of situations, like we got rid of our five-cent pieces and all that kind of stuff, remember, because inflation is real. So us sitting here going, wow, $2 million house is not going to be maybe like $50 million or $20 million or whatever it is. Welcome to inflation. Just think about what your parents were paying for fish and chips. Just think about what your parents were paying for a loaf of bread and a, the paper. Like This thing is real, even though it sounds so astronomically different. And people are probably going, wow, $9,000 to $2 million. That's, that's because the house prices are going crazy. No, you'll, in 30 years, you'll say the same thing, right? It is. This is reality. Well, that is that is my belief and opinion, and people don't have to agree with it. You may have different views, but I sincerely believe that over time, inflation is a real factor, and that we're just going to see everything naturally increase in costs over time, especially on assets. So, I just want to hone in on one point. So, you've shared. I, I do exactly the same. So, I'm more than happy to share it as well. That you use this information to your benefit and do investing. So, can you just like? hone in on some of those details now i know that you referred back to okay well if you got debt on you bought the house next to your nan in 30 years what would be the difference of it or in 50 years what would be the difference of it like if you were to dive into that for how you now play investments can you just share that to me because i am thoroughly curious to see how well you and i align and it, it might be valuable for people listening as well so when I first got into investing, I, I actually was considering index funds just to, uh, as my main area, I wanted to uh, take profit from business. So earn, let's say, $10,000 a month, take that $10,000 and then buy ETFs every month or index funds. Index funds. That's a, a very, very common strategy. I think even Warren Buffett recommends it. And um, I, for a lot of reasons, it sounded like a really good vehicle for me until I really factored in inflation. So after I learned more about inflation, then the game changed significantly for me because of my awareness to, well, the money I'm earning in business, I've got, it's basically eroding. So even though I'm putting it into these uh, ETFs and index funds, because there's no debt there or no leverage, that actual capital base is eroding. There's no debt being diminished. So I looked at that and um, I found it really fascinating because I did a bit of a projection. It's like if I was to take the $10,000 I'm uh, saving every month and just buy index funds, over time, where would that get me after inflation? And I was like, all right, this isn't necessarily the way I want to do it. So I had to come up with a new option. 
And that's what was one of the things that led me more heavily into property for myself. And again, I know I'm a bit of a property bull, but you can totally use leverage on ETFs. I just didn't know how at the time or have ways. I perceivably got in the too hard basket for me and this just seemed easier. So then I went to property and looked at what would happen on the same calculations because of the utilization of debt. And I could see over time there was a significant difference. So for myself and how I view it here is that in my property portfolio, I want to maintain a debt level above 50%. Now, explain why. If I own uh, 50%, that means that inflation is uh, eroding the debt and my capital at the same rate. Now, if I got a 60% level of debt, meaning I own 40% and the investment is at, uh, 60% of it is debt, well, now inflation's actually in my favor because it's eroding the debt faster than it's eroding the capital I have invested in that. So that is the maths and the way I think about it. And then on the other side of things, personally, I'm not comfortable going over 70% uh, LVR or 70% uh, debt levels. So if you look at all my property stuff where I draw the line, and this is just an opinion because I'm sure people are going to ask about this uh, at some point as well, is that I'm not comfortable doing more than that because I think if there was ever to be a property crash or something was to happen that I'm running risks of losing my assets and I just don't want to do that. Other people I know uh, will happily run more than that, but that's their choice and they should seek professional advice as what's right for them. Yeah, it's... I want to sort of summarize this and articulate it because I think it is so powerful for people to really understand how this impacts the the personal inflation side of sort of this this wealth creation journey. Because what, when when Charlie's referring to buying a property with having more than 50% debt, the value of that is because you have bought an asset that is increasing over time with inflation and markets and all that, right? So, but your debt does not increase. As a matter of fact, the, the concept is that the debt, in theory, due to inflation, actually decreases. Because if the bank gave you $100,000 a day as a loan, in 10 years' time, as we know, inflation, as they say, is 3 to 4%, over 10 years' time, that will be worth 30% less to the bank. So really, the bank has given you $100,000 today to do whatever you want, and you pay them some interest rate and stuff like that over a period of time. But in 10 years' time, that $100,000 is only worth $70,000 to them. Or if you were to pay it back, in other words, you are really only paying back $70,000 after inflation calculations have put in. It's still $100,000, but after inflation, that debt has actually worked in your favor because you have bought something that is increasing in value, like a house or et cetera, but with debt, which has a, which is cash, which is decreasing. Yeah. Think, think, of, think of my nan. So Grant's just done, in my opinion, and well done, man, an excellent uh, deeper analysis of that idea. It's exactly the same. It's my nan's house for $9,000. She borrowed $9,000 at that time. How easy would it be to pay back the $9,000 today? Yep. With inflation at works. Like that's a real world, someone I know and who is outraged has working through how inflation's actually worked for her. By the way, I'm not sure she actually is aware that inflation's worked for her in that way. <laughs> Probably not. And that's and, it. Invisible force. And and those are sort of the, the two sort of really important points that I want to like just hammer home that Charlie and I this is our in my opinion, like some of the most powerful points that have driven me so strongly into investments and sort of this wealth creation journey that I'm on, which is like 
I've had six figures in bank accounts for a very long period of time, which over years has significantly decreased. Why? Because property have gone up more than three to four percent per year, right? Like, so all of these things that I want to buy and invest in are not just going up based on what the prices that other people are saying. Oh, everything's going up three to four percent, but that I now understand how I can counteract that because of the deeper understanding. So I know what my expenses are and the impact that inflation has on my expenses. So now I understand that I have the two choices that we're talking about, which is, well, I can decrease my spending or I can increase my income. But then I also understand that personally, I can also offset that by using inflation to my advantage by leveraging debt to buy assets increase over a period of time. Don't you feel sorry for the savers? <sighs> Think about this. If you're, if you're a business owner, right, and you're doing all the right things and you're making a profit and you're at a good business, but you've just decided, you know what, I'm going to save my money in the bank. So it's like, you know, risk adverse. And it's like, you're just getting crippled by inflation. And it's like, you're actually doing the right things in a lot of ways. Definitely. And it, but it also comes back to the point of like, imagine people who are only putting like $1,000, $2,000 a month into this. And so they just need a very long period of time to save, right? That, that, time that they're saving is just eroding at that money that they have saved. And it just means that they just can't buy the same amount that they could have if they had all of that money today, right? Which is what opportunity cost, et cetera, is. And so for everyone sort of who's listening to this, uh, just play it back. Again, Charlie and I are referring to this back as to our examples and how we think about this and how we use this to our advantage. Because I think just awareness is key. Just going, oh, I haven't thought about it like that. Oh, wow, this rabbit hole is deeper. If I just stay at this level, I've got enough sort of understanding where I now understand how I can play that game outside of just consuming whatever is thrown at me. And I I keep jumping on my high horse, Charlie. (laughs) Before I wrap the episode up, is there anything else that you want to, just so I don't look so crazy, is there anything that you want to jump I'll bring it back to simple then. It's like uh, inflation is really just the cost of living uh, going up. Think of it as a headwind. The good news is you can make choices and do things to change the amount of headwind you have or even hedge it and have the, turn it into a tailwind. Yeah. And I hope the concepts Grant and I have articulated in this episode have given you some awareness and how you might be able to play things in your circumstances. Of course, seek professional advice um, so that inflation can be more of a friend than a foe. 100%. And if you did enjoy this episode and you wanted to dive a little bit deeper into sort of some of the details that we were talking about or even some calculators that Charlie and I use, feel free to head over to assetblocks.com.au and go and download whatever you need or even contact us and ask us questions that we're more than happy to help out with. I've actually had quite a few people ping me on my personal Facebook, which is great. Just me saying, me hey. too, and I love it. <laughs> Send me your questions. Let's talk about money. I dig it. Yeah, I've actually had more friend requests now recently than I ever have in like probably about two, three years. And so if you did enjoy this episode, because we're going to go, there's a lot more of these kind of wealth bombs that we're going to be covering. Be sure to subscribe to the episode or even share it with someone else who might not understand sort of these nuances as well because I know that it's going to add value to them. I wish people told me some of this insights like decades ago. So uh, feel free to share that across to them. And thank you again for joining us. And we look forward to catching you on the next episode of Asset Blocks Business Center Edition.